you know from a recent survey that was done in one of the most prestigious theological seminaries that over 641 million Christians speak in tongues? Another survey was done from another very prestigious university on people who speak in tongues. And it came to the conclusion that over 981 million Christians speak in other tongues. This means, dear people of God, that between 644 million and 981 million, somewhere in between that number, we can be sure that on this globe, there are Christians who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I want to bring you into a teaching on speaking in other tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit as we prepare for the power of Pentecost and this season of Pentecost. Stay with us today, but before we do that, I want to invite you, go to our website, mydayofdestiny.com. And when you go to mydayofdestiny.com, you can download any of our former programs. They're yours to keep as a library, a library that will educate you in the things of God. I highly recommend this for missionaries, for pastors, for those who are called into the ministry, and those who want to go into the deeper things of the Spirit of God. Also, you will be able to find out how to access my new book, at my new book that just came out last year on the anointing, Secrets of the Anointing. And so we want you to be able to be educated, to be filled, but most of all, for the prophetic anointing and the power of God to rest upon you, both with knowledge and with impartation. Now, beloved saints, let's get ready for today's teaching. Combining statistics with an additional survey done, over 26.7% of the total population of Christianity worldwide speaks in tongues. Now, beloved, it is so important that with so many believers speaking in tongues and other believers wanting to speak in tongues, but being completely hesitant as to what is the function of tongues, Today, I pray that we will be able to answer some of those questions for you. So before we even look at the New Testament version of speaking in tongues, and we look and make a survey of the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament context, let us first look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit revealed in the Hebrew Scriptures. First of all, we are going to see that all of the gifts of the Spirit we do see evidenced in the Hebrew Scriptures except speaking in tongues and very limited 
healing. First of all, word of knowledge is in full operation. We see the prophets of God not only prophesying, but also operating in that glorious gift of the Holy Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. For to one is given a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge. You may ask, what is a word of knowledge? One of the miraculous manifestations of the word of knowledge is seen through the prophet Elisha. Elisha the prophet, who was a prophet and word of knowledge being uh, operating in what we call the prophetic properties of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we see that in 2 Kings chapter 6, he had a word of knowledge concerning where the king of Syria was hiding. And the Bible tells us not once, not twice, not three times did he tell the king of Israel the plans and the strategies of the enemy through the word of knowledge and the king of, of, of Syria became so intimidated that he actually thought that one of his men were spies for Israel. And he came and he said to his men, which one of you is for the king of Israel? And one of the men of the king of Syria's army stood up and said, none of us are for the king of Israel, but there is a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. And he tells the king of Israel, what you do in your bedchamber. In other words, the word of knowledge was in full operation, being able to perceive in the spirit what was happening without even being there. All right. We also see word of wisdom being in full operation in the word and uh, the word of wisdom in the Hebrew scriptures. We see prophecy definitely in operation. We see prophecy in various forms. We see prophecy, obviously, through the prophets of God. But we also see prophecy in the forms of visions and dreams. Abraham was called a prophet and he also dreamt dreams. Dreams in Genesis chapter 15. Jacob dreamt dreams in Genesis chapter 28. And Isaac dreamt dreams. And we see this in Genesis chapter 26. So we know all of the patriarchs also were dreamers and they were prophetic dreamers, not just once, not just twice, but we see Jacob as a dreamer constantly. As a matter of fact, the Almighty appeared to Israel in visions of the night. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 46, and said, do not be afraid to go down to Mitzrayim, to go down to Egypt, for there I'm going to make of thee a great nation. So we see dreams, we see visions, which are uh, actually uh, gifts of prophecy. We see prophecy on various levels. We see very slightly healing. We see interpretation of tongues, Daniel interpreting the writing on the wall. We also see working of miracles. How do we see working of miracles? Moses stretched his hand out over the sea and the sea parted and all of the plagues of Egypt were would be classified under signs, wonders, and working of miracles. We also see, beloved, saints, the working of wonder-working faith. It was when the children of Israel stepped into the Red Sea that the sea parted. And Hebrews chapter 11 is itemizing for us in the hall of quote-unquote faith. All of those in the Hebrew scriptures who operated in wonder-working faith. 
So we see all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, except two, one on a very limited basis, and that is healing. We see healing. Now you may say that Naaman the Syrian, whose skin came back after dipping in the Jordan seven times in 2 Kings chapter 5, was healed. But that actually was the word of knowledge operating through the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha said, go go bathe in the river Jordan seven times and your skin is going to be made whole. So that was not necessarily classified as healing. But we do see healing in two places. We see healing. And whenever we see healing, I want to insert because healing is going to be associated particularly with the messianic era. And we see this prophesied through the prophet Isaiah. We are going to see that healing is associated with the Messiah. And this is one of the signs that teaches us that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel because the the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf shall hear, the the blind shall see, the lame shall jump. And this has never been done in Israel before. But on a limited basis, we do see healing in the Hebrew scriptures. First, I've classified for you that the actual technical healing of Naaman the Syrian would be under the classification of word of knowledge. But we also do see the healing of the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were bit by the fiery serpents. God told Moses, lift up a serpent up on a pole. And the Bible says, whoever looks shall live. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. And we see that in the Hebrew scriptures, wherever we see healing, we do see a Calvary connection. There are signs of the cross hidden in those texts so that we might know that healing is reserved for the messianic era. And this is the sign that points to Jesus being the Messiah. We also see that King Hezekiah was healed of his tumors. And he said, how will I know? Give me a sign that I know that I'm going to be healed. And Isaiah the prophet gave him two signs. One sign was that the sundial, he said, would you prefer the sundial to go forward or backward? And he chose that the sundial would go backward. But also, the sign was, you will go up to the house of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter 20. You will go up to the house of the Lord and worship on the third day. So the third day or the miraculous manifestation of the third day, which is a type and a shadow of the resurrection, we see not only the children of Israel being healed with a prophetic prefiguring of the cross as spoken of by Jesus and also King Hezekiah as a prophetic prefiguring of the resurrection on the third day going up to the house of the Lord and worshiping Naaman the Syrian who was not healed by healing but healed by word of knowledge that came through the prophet Elisha but we also see the covenant 
covenant of healing, the covenant of healing that was given to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. In Exodus, the 15th chapter, the Bible says, none of these diseases which I have put upon the Egyptians will I put upon thee. But the Bible says that Moses cried unto the Lord in verse 24, and God showed him a tree. Now, I want you to know, we see not only the tree, which is a type and a shadow of the cross, because in the Hebrew language, the word wood, the word tree is the same. So God showed him wood or God showed him the cross or God showed him the tree. It is all the same word in Hebrew. And we also understand that it was three days after the children of Israel came into the wilderness that God gave the revelation of healing through the tree. These are the only healings that we see in the Hebrew scriptures. So therefore, we understand that healing is reserved for the messianic era. We see this in Isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6. The Bible tells us that the deaf shall hear, the dumb shall speak, the blind shall see, and the lame shall leap for joy. We also see this, beloved saints, in Isaiah 29 verse 18. And we see it all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, the prophecy of the Messiah, that he is going to bring healing. No, we do not see Moses laying hands on anybody and that person being healed. No, we do not. We do not see Elijah the prophet laying hands and someone being healed. However, we do see the widow at Zarephath's son being raised from the dead. That is not classified as a healing. That is classified as the working of miracles. And the same with the prophet Elisha raising the son of the widow at Shunem from the dead. So we need to see that the prophet Isaiah has isolated healing for the messianic era. Now, why am I saying all this? Because there is another sign, beloved saints, that is going to be reserved for the messianic era. And this is why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 17, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every every creature. And the Bible says in verse 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved and he that believes not shall be condemned. And verse 17 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Now watch the second sign. They shall speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And the fifth one, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, beloved saints, I want to share with you from the Hebrew scriptures, the prophecies that are going to accompany speaking in tongues, which are cognizant with the signs of the messianic era. Speaking in tongues is so important, not only because of the supernatural power of God that is the evidence of one being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but also for the believer to understand that these are signs that 
are accompanying the fact to witness that Jesus is the Messiah. If we understand the scriptures on healing, the blind shall see, the lame shall walk, the deaf shall hear, the mute shall speak, the lame shall jump for joy as Isaiah 35 speaks of and other various texts in the book of Isaiah speak to us specifically relating to the Messianic era, then we also need to understand that the text I'm about to read to you that are exclusively to be seen in the Messianic era, this is why Jesus said they shall speak with new tongues. Speaking with new tongues does not mean just they're going to have a nice language, they're going to speak in a new dialect, they're going to speak refined, or they're going to speak with more knowledge. No No, it is a new language that the Bible is very specific about that isolates the era of the messianic era that is going to be an era filled with the spirit. Why is it going to be an era filled with the spirit? Because the Messiah is the anointed one and the Messiah is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. You see, beloved, you cannot be baptized in the spirit by man. This is exclusively reserved for the Messiah himself himself to baptize you in the spirit. This is why John the Baptist said, I truly baptize you in water, but one who is coming after me, whose shoe latch it, I'm not worthy to unloose, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he shall gather his wheat into the garner and separate the wheat from the chaff, or another verse says, shall burn the chaff in the unquenchable fire. So I want you to see this, beloved saints, as we begin to explore the Hebrew scriptures, that prophesies speaking in tongues. First of all, let's look at Isaiah chapter 28. And if we're looking at verses 11 and 12, I'm only going to isolate the portion of the verse that speaks about speaking in tongues. Isaiah chapter 28, but read 11 and 12. The Bible says, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? Now, I want you to understand that this is cognizant with the messianic prophecies shown to us in the prophet Isaiah. And this is why it is so important for us to understand the anointed one means the one who is anointed or Mashiach means the anointed of God. And the Bible tells us that John the Baptist says that he gives the spirit without measure unto him. So here we see in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. And I want to look at this, beloved saints, again. The Bible says, uh, for with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, yet you would not hear. What is the rest and what is the refreshing? Remember that Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and referred to the word refreshing. He referred to this word because why? It is used, beloved saints, by the prophet Isaiah. And he is referring specifically, beloved saints, to the work of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Now, beloved saints, we are going to also continue in the context. And I want us to see Isaiah chapter 33, looking at verse 19. You shall not see a fierce people, a people 
of deeper speech than you can perceive of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. Let me read this again so that we have it completely in context. Notice that Isaiah chapter 32 says this. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 1 says, Behold, the king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. Who is the king that shall reign in righteousness in the book of Isaiah? This is the messianic reign of the Messiah. And the Bible says, verse 4, And the heart um, and the heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. So here we see this is about the mute being able to speak or those who are not able to speak. Then we see in Isaiah chapter 33, looking at verse 19, the Bible says, you will not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech. What does that mean, a people of deeper speech? A people that are speaking in the spirit. Thou shalt not see a fierce people, in other words, a violent people, but a people of deeper speech that you can perceive of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. So here we see, dear people of God, these two prophetic promises found in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, and Isaiah chapter 33, verse 19. This is why Jesus gave the speaking in tongues as one of the signs to them that believe. Why? Because in the Old Testament, we do not see any of the gifts of the Spirit in operation concerning speaking in tongues. No, we do not see tongues, but we do see interpretation of tongues. We saw Daniel interpreting the writing on the wall. Yes, we see miracles. We see Moses operating in miracles. Yes, we see faith. We have that record in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, quoting the lives of all of the men and women of God who moved in faith in the Hebrew scriptures. Yes, we have word of knowledge seen in second Kings chapter six in the prophet Elisha who had the word of knowledge and also the word of wisdom, how to apply the word of knowledge. We see this in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, except speaking in tongues. Very limited, as I said earlier, on healing, because healing is reserved for the messianic era. So therefore, we only see healing when there is a Calvary connection and not to confuse the healing with Elisha the prophet when he told the prop when he told Naaman the Syrian to wash in the river Jordan this was not healing the gift of healing in operation this was word of knowledge so we need to see the clarity in the context so we must understand that speaking in tongues is reserved for the messianic era this is why we have seen these scriptures among the messianic passages in the book of Isaiah. And this is why Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Now, beloved saints, for the sake of those who do not understand tongues, let us look just for a moment. And we will definitely, as the Spirit leads, continue our teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let us begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, speaking about the difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit, that is one of the, the nine gifts 
charismatic gifts of the spirit and the sign speaking in tongues. Are these two different operations of the spirit? This is a question and this perhaps will help us solve the question of 1 Corinthians 14. There is so much controversy over 1 Corinthians 14. Therefore, we do need clarification on 1 Corinthians 14. And that can come from research, that can come from scrutiny of the scriptures. And therefore, we can see that there seems to arise a contradiction. Well, we know there is no such thing as a contradiction in the word of God. The word of God is inerrant. The word of God is sufficient. The word of God does not need us to add anything to it. The word of God is infallible and the word of God is always correct. So if we have misinterpreted it, it is man's misinterpretation and it is our responsibility to reconcile the errors that we have created ourselves from misappropriating the misinterpretation. So perhaps today, let us look and see what conclusions we can come to concerning the controversy of speaking in unknown tongues and other tongues. First of all, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you ignorant. This word ignorant, agnoio, in the Greek language is a word that means I don't want you untrained. I do not want you uneducated. I do not want you to just have some generalized knowledge. Paul is teaching the church how to seek the gifts of the spirit, the more the, the more um, favorable gifts, which are the gifts that are going to be used to edify another, to seek those gifts, those gifts of grace, so that another may be edified. And the scripture says, I do not want you ignorant. Now, there are diversities of gifts, diversity of the charismaticos, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, the diaconia, but the same Lord. And there are differences or diversities of operations. This is the energima, which is the operation of the spirit, how it operates, the different ways that the dunamis operates within us but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man, notice to every man, to profit with all. So they are given as gifts to the body of Christ. Now, let us look at the gift of speaking in tongues, which is found in verse 10, but so that we do not break up the nine charismatic gifts, we will read them together as a whole. The Bible says, for to one is given a word of wisdom, to another, a logos conosis, a word of knowledge, by the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, beloved saints, what we need to see is that one of the gifts of the spirit that is identified here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a gift that later in 1 Corinthians 14 is described as a gift that is given to edify oneself 
and it comes out of one's spirit. Remember, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says that we are a trichotomy, spirit, soul, and body. We also see that our inward man, our spirit, our inward man is the place that the gifts of the spirit operate. This is why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice how he separates the understanding, which is in the mind, from the spirit. It is not the same thing. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. In other words, I will have both forms of prayer active in my life. Now, he is speaking against speaking in tongues in the public congregation unless there be an interpreter. And I will explain that. Then he speaks about tongues being not a sign to the believer, but a sign to the unbeliever. Let's look. The Bible says, wherefore, verse 22, tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not to them that believe not, but to them that believe. Now, wait a minute. This seems so confusing. First, he is saying not to speak in tongues unless there is an interpreter, lest the unlearned come in and say that we're all mad. And then he says that we must excel in prophesying because the one that prophesies is greater than the one that speaks in tongues. Yet he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. What is Paul talking about? He is speaking first about a gift that is operative within the church that must be operative with the interpretation and that is for the body of Christ to be built up the same way that prophecy is built up then he is speaking about another work of tongues altogether and we see that both examples of tongues are not the same one in first Corinthians chapter 14 is called unknown tongues the other in the book of Acts, which was given on the day of Pentecost, is called other tongues. You say, Dr. Corral, is there a difference? Yes, there is a difference. Why? Because one is assigned to the unbeliever and the other is a gift that is a charismatic gift that is given to build up the body of Christ, which is active when the body of Christ comes together and there are interpreters for those tongues. For example, in the perfect expression of charismaticos or in the days of the charismatic renewal, the body of Christ would come together from every area and the body of Christ would become so one that a beautiful symphony would come forth speaking in tongues. It would be so harmonious if you ever listened to the Kansas City 1977 Charismatic Conference. You will see and you will hear the speaking in tongues and know my beloved brothers and sisters. Yes, there were instruments, but the type of instruments that you may think that they are were not invented yet. So you must understand 
understand that the symphonic sound that you are hearing was speaking in tongues. And immediately after speaking in tongues, one prophecy came after another. So when Paul says, let there be one or two at the most and let them interpret, I want you to understand that during that Kansas City conference, there was one voice as if it were one person prophesying, speaking in tongues and prophets immediately after that were skilled prophets of God that were trained by the spirit of God himself were able to interpret the symphony of sound that came forth from one body speaking in unknown tongues. Therefore, the body was completely edified. As a matter of fact, one of those prophecies you can still hear, one of those prophecies, if you ever do the research on the Kansas City 1977 Charismatic Conference, you will hear one prophecy after another. And what were those prophecies? Those prophecies did not manifest till the entire audience as one body, as one voice, as one person lifted up the symphonic sound of the spirit and they were interpreted by skilled prophets. That was the charismatic renewal. Since then, I doubt very seriously if there has been that type of unity in the body of Christ because we have come together, beloved, under conditions that we have limited the Holy Spirit to such a degree that we have judged one another. And unless we belong to each other's clique or unless we belong to each other's denomination or unless we speak in that manner, it's very difficult to come to that place of symphonic sound such as we had in the days of the charismatic renewal. But we do have the Pentecostal version and the Pentecostal version, which is not the same as the charismatic version. The Pentecostal version we saw operating very clearly in the classical denominational Pentecostal churches. Now, remember, I'm speaking with the assumption that everyone understands which waves I'm speaking about. The first wave is the classical Pentecostal or the denominational Pentecostal according to David Barrett's statistics, which are the classical Pentecostals, which would be till about the 1950s. Then we see emerging in the late 1960s, the charismatic renewal, which peaked until the late 1970s. Then we see the third wave, the first wave being the classical denominational Pentecostals, the second wave being the denominational churches that are the historic churches being baptized in the spirit, which we call the charismatics. Then we see the neo-Pentecostals in the third wave, which are the interdenominational, non-denominational charismatic Pentecostals. So therefore, beloved saints, in the first wave, we do see mamas or papas speaking in tongues in the church, and always there would be an interpreter, such as an example that I will share with you, a classical example that I heard uh, a, a woman who came back from the missions back in the classical Pentecostal era, came back from the missions, was trained at a very classical Pentecostal Bible school, uh, and went to India to preach the gospel. 
She was not well received. She studied so hard. She went through loneliness and she came home after five years on furlough to teach at Southwest Bible College, which is a very well-known denominational Bible Institute. And while she was teaching her class on furlough, one of the students spoke out a message in tongues. And as always, there would be an interpreter to interpret those tongues. Only this time, the woman said, no interpreter necessary. The person speaking in tongues was speaking perfectly in the dialect of the village that I just came out of. And the Lord has told me, return to India and to resume my ministry, which I was going to give up. You see, beloved saints, we see this gift of speaking in tongues publicly, always with an interpreter, or in the sense of the charismatic renewal, one body being perceived as one individual, as one voice, just as in the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they all came together in one accord, in one place. What does it mean, one accord? It means that in the eyes of God, they're one. We also see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. The Bible says, and they were all as one heart and one mind. We must understand that the Spirit of God, when he began to work, began to work with the body of Christ being in oneness. Since that time, we have broken up our oneness, but that doesn't mean the spirit of God is limited. That means that we need a revival. And that means that we cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. That means we need to break out of the box, get over our traditions and come together again and ask the Holy Spirit to baptize us afresh in a new anointing, new wine in new oil. And the number one thing we need to get rid of is our self-righteousness and our prejudice. But we also need to see, beloved people, that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 at through 22 is speaking specifically about gift, the not just the charismatic gift of tongues, which is elaborated upon in 1 Corinthians 14, but also the sign of speaking in tongues, which was given on the day of Pentecost. And I'm going to conclude with this. Let's go to Acts chapter two. So we have this clarity and we will pick it up again in another podcast as the Spirit of God leads. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we know, beloved saints, that on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up in that upper room and said, these men are not drunk with wine as you perceive, but they are filled with the Holy Ghost because it's just the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. How did he know this is that? Because of the signs. Because Joel the prophet said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. But he also gave a sign, signs in the heavens and in the earth beneath. The signs in the earth beneath would be blood 
fire and pillars of smoke. We see fire appearing as cloven tongues over the heads of each of them. And we see on the day of Pentecost that the 120 left the upper room and went down into the streets and began to proclaim the gospel in languages that they never spoke before, in dialects of the Parthenians, of the of the people of Greece, of Judea, Cappadocia, Virgip, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, and various different dialects of the Jews. We see that they were speaking, the Galileans were speaking perfectly in the dialect. And each person heard them magnifying God in their own language. So therefore we see this as a sign, as a sign and a wonder. And we see the gift of tongues, which is the charismatic gift, not to be confused with the sign. Now, beloved saints, does the sign of speaking in tongues ever happen? And the answer to that is yes. You say, how do you know, Dr. Corral? Because we were recipients of that gift operating in 1980, when we were in the People's Republic of China. Nine of our members that smuggled Bibles into China had the grace of God for approximately seven to eight minutes to speak in the Mandarin language. Yes, beloved, these signs, these wonders, Yes, beloved, the gift of tongues as one. Yes, beloved, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in full operation. Let us pray. Holy Father, today we ask that you would baptize us afresh in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We ask that the 26.7% of Christianity and the population of Christianity worldwide that speaks in tongues would become so filled again with the knowledge of God and that Lord, every believer, this Pentecost would begin to speak with tongues. And Lord, I pray that all of those that are listening to this podcast would now receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you said that John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Lord, we know that baptism in the Holy Ghost is the sign that we need to fulfill our calling and to be able to proclaim the messianic signs of healing, deliverance, and speaking in tongues, casting out devils. So Lord, we ask that these gifts and these miraculous manifestations that can only come as messianic manifestations of the Spirit would be given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Beloved, I invite you to go to our website, mydayofdestiny.com, and on that website you will see how to download other podcasts, and also you can become a partner with us, and so into this ministry in the worldwide Hesed Love for the Poor around the world. You could go to Breath of the Spirit. And when you go to breathofthespirit.org, you can donate to one of our multiple Hesed projects. You can do this also by texting to give. You can text today. Text Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. 
E-S-E-D and text it to 77977. Thank you for joining us and we will see you very soon.